0: Hello, I'm Kimberly Davis, and I am the Fiscal Feminist. Hi, this is Kimberly Davis, and I'm the Fiscal Feminist. I'm also a managing director and partner in the Bonson Group, which is a wealth management practice with offices in Newport Beach, California, and New York City. So today, I'm going to discuss with you, why a global pandemic is a good reminder to stress test your finances on the regular. So, not to prematurely declare the current public health and economic emergencies over, because they're not, and things seem to be a bit volatile going back and forth, but the reopening of some businesses this summer presents a good time for many of us to reflect on our finances, because we are moving ahead. It's a practice we, self-reliant women, should be doing all the time anyway, and now there is a special opportunity to assess and learn. With four grueling months of health scare, social distancing, and financial instability, let's look at how we did. Let's look at our personal fiscal puzzle. Specifically, there are four keys of our personal fiscal puzzle that we should be analyzing in a post-mortem evaluation. Those are, the key pieces are, retirement, budget, investments, and career. Each plays a critical role in our overall strength and well-being, and each was stressed during the turmoil known as the first half of 2020. Without these four pillars of security, it is virtually impossible to provide for your family, have security, or simply enjoy your financial independence. So, this is going to sound a bit odd, but we're going to start at the end with retirement. If it seems like we're starting backward by beginning with the funds that will be used last, that's because reverse engineering can be the simplest way to getting the answers you need. Your retirement savings, whether it's an employer-sponsored 401k, an individual retirement account or IRA, or something else, should never be taken for granted due to its long timeline. In fact, it's one of the best barometers we have for our own financial health. So, Think of your retirement as the proverbial canary in the coal mine. If the nest egg cracks, it will likely impact everything else tenfold. Everyone's risk tolerance varies, but a retirement portfolio should be set up to reduce risk and exposure in your investment strategy the closer you get to your retirement date. A loss of retirement funds as a result of a pandemic or other economic calamity just before the critical milestone of retirement can really be a nightmare scenario for women of a certain age or anyone of a certain age. It's also one of the more obvious wealth sources that can be tapped during an unforeseen emergency like COVID-19. So people often take early withdrawals from their 401k because they are up against it and they need a source of funds. And, you know, it's sitting there kind of waiting to be tapped on. So people take advantage of that. But my advice is always to do that as a a last resort. Under the CARES Act, Americans can take a withdrawal of up to $100,000 from their 401k or IRA without the typical 10% early withdrawal penalty. However, the distribution will be taxed at ordinary income tax rates. So, generally, if you take an early withdrawal, there is a 10% penalty, and that's a withdrawal before 59 and a half years of age, and you also have to pay taxes on the actual amount that you receive, and that's at the ordinary income tax rate. The total amount of the distribution is treated as income and taxed accordingly. The CARES Act gives you three years to pay the taxes on the withdrawal, or you can repay back what you withdrew to your 401k or IRA and receive a tax refund. Normally, under normal times without the CARES Act, if you take an early withdrawal and you're, you're under the age of 59 and a half, you will have to pay a 10% penalty and then you have to pay the taxes all in one lump sum. Although the CARES Act enables us to make a withdrawal to help us during this unprecedented time, before you take that step of dipping into your retirement, it is better to explore all other alternatives first. The permanent loss of principal from withdrawing early and the long-term benefits of compound growth is extremely detrimental to your retirement outlook. The worst time to withdraw investment assets is in the middle of a downturn and extreme volatility. Investments will be worthless or worth less, and hence, investors will have to withdraw a greater percentage of their account and will turn temporary paper losses into permanent realized losses. Even if you try to replenish later, you will have lost all that compounding of growth from the withdrawn principle, and the concern is that if you take advantage of the CARES Act provisions and withdraw, there's a very good chance that you will not replenish the withdrawal, which will be a permanent reduction. We all think that retirement is somewhere way out in the future, but it does ultimately arrive sooner than we think, and without retirement funding, retirement can look very, very bleak women live longer than men. I've said this a million times. There's a million statistics to support that. And they need to understand the longevity of their retirement funding. The second thing that we should look at in our puzzle is how did our budget hold up during this pandemic? The unexpected fallout from the pandemic involved many women and people losing their jobs, but more women lost their jobs than men, um, according to statistics. This is obviously very stressful. And although stimulus checks may have been forthcoming and unemployment compensation may be available, there could be long delays in receiving these payments. And as time is going on and, um, you know, the Congress is still uh, trying to negotiate all this, you know, it's uh, coming to an end and hopefully will be uh, reestablished. But at this moment in time, uh, we're coming to the end of the first tranche of it. It is essential that every woman have a budget. Have an honest conversation with yourself about how you spend your money and track it. Even if you're the only one in your household, it is important to review your savings and fine tune your budget. Determine what is necessary and what expenses can be cut. I know this is super boring and nobody really wants to spend their time doing this, but it is so important to do it because once you do it, you can you know, have a strategy in place. You know your parameters and your boundaries of spending and you don't have to you know, worry and obsess about being over your budget or in debt or whatever. So this is a very important thing to do. There are many free budgeting apps that you can use that will help you create and monitor your budget and your savings. It's best to track your finances in real time using a spreadsheet or some other tech-enabled tools such as Mint, which is an app, so you can get the best read on where your money is going and you can look at your money in real time and see exactly where you're at. Make sure to scrutinize your fixed costs such as rent, mortgage, utilities, cell phone, food, and all insurances, including health insurance. List all credit card payments. Review all of your discretionary expenses and line item what you are spending uh, your money on that are non-essential expenses. Eliminate or severely reduce online shopping, clothing, and subscriptions reevaluate your takeout food purchases. I mean, you know, we easily can use DoorDash and Grubhub and before we know it we've spent a fortune on that because it's just so simple to do and we don't keep track. The more you understand, the easier it will be for you to find a way to save. So if you can line item those discretionary expenses that you're engaging in, you can say, well, maybe I didn't need this particular dress or I didn't need, you know, that pair of shoes or I didn't need to buy that TV today. Um, And you can start to kind of cut and slash. Once you see it in writing, it's easier to do. Every woman needs to prioritize having an emergency fund, which equals three to six months of living expenses that can carry them through unforeseen circumstances, such as a job loss, or illness or a pandemic. And you know, my rule of thumb is six months, you never know uh, what's going to happen. And you just need to have a buffer there. It will allow you to not spend time stressing over money, and you can then focus your concern on how you fix the situation because you've got some money to live on. Regardless of your income, an emergency fund is essential. So whether you make a little money or a lot of money, you need to have an emergency fund that will cover your expenses. It's very, very important. It's not just for people who make tons of money. Sometimes people who make a lot more money don't save as much as people who make less money. So it's just essential that every person have an emergency fund. It is going to be the life raft when there is turmoil in your life. The sequence of solid budgeting is to track spending, pay down all credit card debt, and establish the emergency fund. So once you do that, you can move on to investing. So investing is the third part of our puzzle. So was our investment strategy solid? And did we react in these volatile times in fear? This pillar has to do with the more active aspects of wealth creation. Stocks can be a sizable part of an investment strategy, but diversification of asset classes, whether it's mixing bonds, alternative investments, such as liquid hedge funds, hedge funds, private equity, or REITs, real estate, or art, is a key component of long-term financial independence. It aims to maximize returns by investing in different areas that would each react differently to the same event. If one portion of your portfolio is declining, it may ensure that other portions are not declining or not declining as much at the same time. So, with that in mind, ask yourself, how did my strategy fare since all hell broke loose in March? Did you have a diverse allocation? Did you make decisions during the volatility from fear or rationality. A good stock selection strategy is to focus on the fundamentals of companies issuing the stocks. Remember that buying stocks is buying ownership in a company. Does the company have cash flow? Does it have too much debt? Do they have good management? And are they allocating funds for capital expenditures and shareholder return and dividends? So when you're buying stocks, you're just not buying this kind of one-dimensional thing, which is the stock. It's a representation of a company and how well the company is run. So with the return to a lower interest rate environment, the dividend yield opportunities available within the equity market are at more compelling levels related to, relative to fixed income securities than the historical norm. And what I mean by that is um, stocks that pay dividends are now paying a higher percentage than bonds pay in interest. So it's just about the income aspect of the investment. Investor income requirements will likely result in greater demand for dividend-paying stocks, given the interest rate environment. More than half of the S&P 500 stocks yield greater than the 10-year Treasury yield, as of the end of last year. During such times, high-dividend growers have outperformed high dividend yielders, and the S&P 500. Dividend growth stock investing focuses on companies that pay dividends and grow dividends annually. Regardless of price dips, dividends will be paid, and this especially helps investors who are living off their portfolios in retirement. The price of the stock may go down on any given day, but the dividend will remain the same. So if you're living off your portfolio and the market is experiencing extreme volatility, your dividend payout will remain the same so that you can continue to get whatever stipend you're getting from your investment portfolio. Companies may change their dividend policy, so you do need to be mindful of that. And you also need to be mindful of overconcentration in one stock. It's probably prudent not to have one stock make up more than 5% of your portfolio. With respect to bond investments, consider varying elements such as maturities, credit qualities, and sensitive interest rate changes to diversify within the asset class. And once you have your mix of stocks, bonds, and alternatives, on a regular basis, check the weightings of each allocation to make sure that they still make sense given the current market conditions. And from time to time, you should rebalance your allocations, i.e. bring them back into the percentages that they originally were, because things will change as prices change within the portfolio. And finally, don't try to market time and have a short-term strategy. Market timing is impossible and it is very risky. If you have a long-term diversified strategy, don't let fear motivate you to cash out during dips in the market that will result in permanent capital loss. If you stay the course over the long term, you will benefit from the ultimate run-up and recovery. So you don't want to cash out at the lows and then try to get back in later when the market is high, so then you're losing money on both fronts. If you have a strong and solid strategy, just stay the course, And don't let fear dictate your decisions. It takes discipline and consistent investing to build wealth, as well as patience and unemotional decision-making. Make regular saving and investing a priority by setting up automated regular deposits. Reviewing your strategy shouldn't be done only in time of crisis. It is helpful during bull markets and periods of personal and professional success as well. It's just as important during those times if you have an influx of money coming in it's just as important to be very prudent as to how you allocate that money. Keep in mind, though, that stress testing finances isn't merely checking up on your investment accounts. Rather, it's a holistic view of your entire financial picture. So the last piece of the puzzle that I think everyone should be contemplating right now is their career resilience. How has your chosen career weathered the pandemic? The same look at you know how your money fared during the crisis should be applied to your job as well because often our job is the source of our money. Were you able to keep your job during the quarantine? Were your salary and or benefits cut? Is working from home something you'd like to continue? Were you able to work from home in your job? Perhaps your career trajectory wasn't as solid as you thought it was prior to the outbreak, and some pivoting in the form of additional education and training or an entirely new professional endeavor are in order. Times of stress are not fun nor avoidable, but they can be a useful reflection tool. If it wasn't for the disruption of the pandemic, it's possible that you wouldn't have found the flaws in your career and then made the necessary self-improvements. Unfortunately, according to the government, more than 21 million Americans lost their jobs as of June. Quiet might not be a luxury all of us can afford at the moment. A crisis of that ilk requires the character to persevere. So, you know, if you're job required you to be on the front lines and, you know, or you couldn't work from home, you might want to think about figuring out other things that you could do that would be a little bit more resilient in these in the kind of circumstance that just arose, this pandemic that came out of the blue. It's a good time to reevaluate where you are, though, with your career. So the good news is if you are smart with your finances, you will have options. So if you have your emergency fund in place and you don't have credit card debt and you've been you know, towing the line on on those uh, personal finance fronts, you will be able to have some options about maybe pivoting and, and doing something different. You'll have some time and some money and resources to support you in that endeavor. In addition to federal economic stimulus and likely subsequent waves, which I mentioned earlier, you know, private companies have also demonstrated some leniency. So from utilities and car payments to mortgage forbearance and credit card interest rates, you know, there could be a deal to be struck somewhere. So if you do need some assistance, don't be shy. Reach out to your credit card company or to the utility company and try to negotiate a lower payment or some sort of arrangement with them to help you out. There's also, you know, 0% credit card options that could be helpful in balanced transfers if you have good enough credit to accomplish that. It, that might give you a little breathing space. But whatever it takes, You will do what you have to in order to feed those who depend on you and to, you know, rise up another day. With this prime opportunity for reflection and the ongoing stress testing of your finances every three to six months, you will be stronger when you come out the other side of this because you will be more organized and more aware of your situation and that knowledge is power and that will keep you a much better place. If we can accomplish that during the pandemic, That's at least somewhat of a silver lining. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking to you again next week.
1: This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan. Ignorance
0: is